Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Parsha's boy, the first Aliyah, Rishon. Our Parsha as a whole has 105 psukim. Our first Aliyah is 11 of those psukim, running from Perik Yud Pasuk Aleph to Yud Aleph in Sefer Shmos. Let's take a, a, a look at the, in, the contents of our Aliyah. The topic is the iconoclastic religion. We'll see why in just a moment. So we're now told that after the plague of Barad, which was the seventh plague, we now enter into the warning for the eighth plague, which is going to be Arbe, which is the locusts. So Hashem tells Moshe to go again to Paro, Ba'el Paroi, go to Pharaoh, and it, it, with the knowledge that I have hardened his heart, and the hearts of his servants in order that I should be able to do all these signs for them and to be, in order to be able to tell your children and your grandchildren how I played with Egypt and I placed their, these signs in their midst um, to know that I am Hashem. It is interesting that the, the idea of education is really starting in this parish. We're going to see that come up numerous times, the whole Egypt experience being an educational experience for our children. Um, we go on to, to, to hear more than Hashem tells Moshe and, and Aaron, they do, they go in front of Aaron, they say, send forth the people so that the, my people, that they may serve me. And if you don't, I'm going to be sending Arbe, this plague of locusts, into your um, country. They're going to cover Ein Haaretz, the eye of the earth. No one's going to be able to see. And, uh, and everything that has survived the hail will now be destroyed, indicating that it's already a little bit later. It takes a little bit of time between the two plagues as well. So, um, and at this point in time, they, they leave, and the servants of Paro say, wait a second, how long are we going to be in this situation where our economy is going to be devastated, everything's going to be going wrong? This is the first act of civil disobedience we see in Egypt, and they bring back Moshe and Aaron to negotiate with Pharaoh. They don't want this plague to happen. So, uh, so Pharaoh then turns to them, and he says, you know what? Yeah, I mean, he says, who's going to be going with you? So Moshe Rabbeinu says, we're going to go with our young, our old, our, um, our, our people, our, our livestock. It's all going to be going out because it is a festival of God. And Pharaoh says, I'm going to send you and your children because you should know that Ra'ah is evil is in your face, towards your face. And he says, I, only, I'm, I'm, I will only send the men out. And that's what you're asking. And he's, he chases them out of his palace. A very strange dialogue. A lot of curious things to concentrate on and contemplate on when trying to understand our parsha, specifically this aliyah. First, very basic question is is that the the seder haparshios, the way that the or the portions are arranged, is that we have a break in the middle of the plague. So we have seven plagues in the parshas vaera and three plagues in parshas boy. Why would that be? Why would it be broken up? in such a way. Shouldn't it make more sense that we would be able to have all the plagues in one parsha? So the Mepharshim do address this. Uh, Barbanel points out, he says that the last three plagues are all common in the sense that they take place in darkness. The plague of darkness, of course, is darkness. The, uh, the Makos Bechoros, the smiting of the firstborn happens in the middle of the night, and this plague creates darkness as well. Um, the Balaturim points out that the three were so bad the negotiations took place in front of, before each of these plagues because of their con of the se severity because of the history. So they have they shared that in common, which is why they are they are given their own space. 
Natala Lechai makes a very interesting suggestion that we notice that the 7-3 balance is a, is a very important number in Judaism, where you know about the seven lower spheros, the seven lower spheres or um, windows of connection to the spiritual realm, and then there are three higher ones, Chochmah, Bina, and Das, which are above them. So noting the ten spheros altogether are made up of a pattern of 7-3, and the two parashios follow that same pattern. Over here we're now entering into the next domain. This actually also, also leads us to the question is, why is this Pasha called boy? Boy just means come. So it's interesting that the Svasemis points out in, uh, in Pesach, I mean, in the Mamarim on Pesach, that when a person says that the Haggadah, Bechol, Dor, Vador, Chai, Vador, Mnirah, Sezatz, Mnirah, that a person is supposed to see themselves as if they're going out of Mitzrayim, that doesn't mean to say that a person needs to put on Egyptian garb and go and walk in their backyard and... Um, with an Egyptian headrest and, and, and sandals. What it means to say is that all of us have our own Mitzarim, not Mitzrayim, but Mitzarim, our own boundaries, things which hold us, trap us, enslave us to whatever it is, those indulgences in our lives, those, those bad habits, those ticks that we have in our character, and we need to work on escaping our own Egypt every year. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe gives, gives an example. He says that a lot of times when people want to have, lead a good life and they want to be good people, what they do is they just keep doing more good, but they don't actually end up fixing their lives at all. In fact, it's fascinating. If you look, there's a lot of statistics about the self-justifying, rationalizing that people do for themselves. There's a um, a very interesting study conducted in 1979 that if you ask a, 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 an average marriage married person who makes the larger or major, more major contribution in the marriage, 70% of people who are polled say I do. Meaning. 70% of people think they're doing more in the marriage. About 85% of people, of young people in high school think they are above average intelligence. That's a remarkable uh, statistic. 85 people think that they're above average intelligence. Average obviously is means around, the, the average is around 50. But nonetheless, it's, it's just a remarkable uh, idea of how people are so self-inflated. Says the Rebbe Rebbe, if you really want to leave Mitzrayim, you want to leave your domain, your trapped, tra trappings and indulgences, you can't just do lots of good in your life. You need to bo el paro. You need to come to the heart of evil. You need to come into the palace or the place and address the difficult parts of our character face on, head on, without being ashamed. That's the only way it will work. That's the notion of this parasha. This parasha is about how we face challenges, how we really get out of challenges as well. Let's move on to another question. What is the eye of the earth which is being covered over here? What does it mean the eye of the earth? The Ralbag says very simply, is because there will be so many locusts, the storm will be so thick, then you won't be able to see a patch of dry land. You won't be able to see anything. It'll be covered so much. However, the Unculus, as the Maral notes, is actually says the Eina Oritz is Shimsha Da'ara. It refers to the Shemesh, the sun, which means that not only will it be so difficult to see the earth, but there'll be so many plam, uh, locusts fluttering in the air that you won't even be able to see the sky. That's how terrible it will be. Just the personal recounting of a young lady in 1874, 12-year-old farm girl Lily Marks describes as she watched the sunlight dim during the terrible locust plague there in Kansas. She describes a whirring, rasping sound that followed and she, as she recalled, a moving grey-green screen between sun and earth. That was a way of sort of seeing the arrival of those locusts and we can imagine that certainly it was much worse when it came to the plague in Egypt as well. We move on to the next question, that 
is what is the dialogue about Pharaoh between Pharaoh and Mo Moshe? It seems to be that there is a debate as to who can go out. Pharaoh wants to say only the men and Moshe says everybody. What's the dialogue? So it comes down to actually a very curious line which we usually mistranslate. Pharaoh says to Moshe, me, vomi, ha'olchem. Usually we translate as who will go. That's not actually the correct translation. The translation of me, vomi, ha'olchem is who and who are going. If you wanted to say who will go, he should say mi yalechu. What does it mean mi vami? Who and who are going presently? The Klayakar says a very beautiful thing. Rabbi Ephraim ben Aaron Lunchetz who says an unbelievable interpretation which, uh, which is something which shows the iconoclastic, the counter-cultural notion of the nation of Israel. And that is the following. Pharaoh says, look, you claim there's this festival in the desert. So look around. Look at every other nation, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Ishmaelites. Look at every other nation around us. And I ask you, who goes to festivals? Who celebrates at their festivals? And I'll tell you the answer, Pharaoh said, it's only the men. Moshe Rabbeinu demanded of Pharaoh something which had never been seen up till now. And that is that festivals are celebrated as families. Festivals are celebrated together. Everybody is going to be going, young, old, men, women. Power would not accept this new notion of how to celebrate. It's something which is the way we actually celebrate Pesach itself. We take it for granted today that holidays are for families. In those days, it was not clear. This is the beginning of that idea of what it means to celebrate with God. That was the, the, the debate, and that's why Pharaoh sent them out, sent them out of the palace. Well, one last question, and that is when he says, I see Ra in front of you. What does that mean exactly? So Rav Soloveitchik has a very beautiful observation in which he says that what Paro is saying is, look, I see you want to be different. I see you want your own culture. I see you want things to be on your terms. But you know what? Let me tell you something. If you're going to want to be different, you're going to have a very long, arduous and persecution-filled history. You're going to have lots of people who don't like the fact that you segregate yourselves. And he says, I see in my star that you're going to have a difficulty remaining distant, different and distinct. And he was right. He was, but it was still worth the cost because we still remain today. Rashi says it's a different idea. Rashi says that there was a star called Ra'a, called evil, literally. And he, sees, he says, I see through my stargazers that the, when the star is coming out, you're going to have blood and killing. And he was correct because of the Chet Egel. That's what, that, that, um, what happened was when Hashem wanted to wipe out the nation of Israel, Moshe Rabbeinu says in Pashas Kisisa, he says to them, Lama You took us out in Ra'a. What does that mean? That if you were to kill the nation of Israel now, Moshe Rabbeinu says, then Moshe would say, you see, I told you, Ra was in fact the one who was in charge. Ra was the one in charge. What does that Ra mean? So if you actually look into Egyptian history, Ra was the king of the deities and the father of all creation. He was the patron of the sun, heaven, kingship, power, and light. So he was the top of the totem pole in the um, Egyptian pantheon. So when he says Ra, Neged Panechem, it doesn't just mean the Hebrew word evil. It means as well the god Ra which he is saying, I see that my God is going to be, is going to supersede your God and your power. That's what's being described over here. With this, we conclude the first Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.